Hey guys, I'm here today with Mel Kettle. She is an expert in helping CEOs craft their message for for-purpose uh, for organizations. So specifically works with organizations that are driven with values and purpose. So a lot of associations and NPOs and now starting to work with the even broadest range of uh, brands in the value-driven brands. So super excited to have this conversation and really start to learn about how you create such changes in social media because there are a lot of perceptions that what they can and can't do. That's it. Thanks very much for having me. I'm just going to say I'm in my little office at home and it's about a million degrees in here because I've closed all the windows and doors to block out the street noise. Um, so I'm so if you start seeing sweat, <laughs> so if you start it. seeing sweat dripping off my face and I can't find any tissues or any hankies to like, you know, <laughs> my sweaty brow. So sorry about that, people. It's a genuine <laughs> Queensland interview. I love it. It is. It is. It's roasting here today too. Anyway, public Very holiday. Good. Thanks for taking the time today. Excited. <laughs> How did this all this journey all start? Ah, so I um uh oh. Actually, oh, take, sure. us, take us take us all the way back. Oh, post, all the way back. Post school. Post school. What are your parents doing? And then what did you do after school? So when I finished high school, I my first year after I left, I was an exchange student and I went to Canada for a year. And that was amazing. That was, um, I went to a town called Brandon in Manitoba, which is smack bang in the middle of the country, completely different to where I grew up, which was in Gosford at the beach. So um, that year was, it, it really shaped who I am still today. And, you know, um, it, it made me realize that there was so much opportunity in the world if you just set yourself a goal and worked to achieve it. Um, and I, I applied for this Rotary Exchange knowing or feeling desperately wanting it but feeling um, uncertain about whether I would get it because when I was in high school, I was extremely shy and extremely introverted and that's not the kind of person that normally was awarded these positions. So I really had to push myself out of my comfort zone to get it, and I did, and I went, and it was great. So I came back to Australia at the end of the year and went, moved to Canberra to do a degree in economics, realised immediately that it wasn't for me, but took two and a half years to withdraw <laughs> um, because I didn't really know you could. And the pressure... Well, the expectation in my family was that I'd go to university and that I'd do a traditional degree. So um, withdrew after two and a half years, went travelling again for a year and then went back to uni, back to Canberra and did a degree in tourism management and marketing and went travelling again for another year, came back, worked as a conference organiser for four years and then in 2000, I was living in Sydney, in 2000 I just thought I've had enough I need to do something that's less stressful, so I moved to Queensland. And I can't believe that I've lived in Brisbane for nearly 19 years because it just feels like, you know, a couple of years ago that I was making that decision to leave Sydney and leave everybody and everything I knew about living in Sydney. So I moved up here with no job, made friends quickly, um, and got a great job as the marketing manager of the Brisbane Festival, which is a big performing arts festival in Brisbane, and seriously one of the best jobs I've ever had. Uh, so did that for a year, then worked for the state government for a few years, and then 
about, I guess it's 13 years ago nearly, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, 14 years ago, 2006, I think, mm-hmm. um, 13 years ago nearly, I just realised that I was fed up with working with other people. I'd become quite senior in my role in government and was doing a lot of things that I didn't really enjoy and missed the missed having conversations with people, missed the... Um, you know, the day-to-day communication, engagement activities that I'd done as a more junior communicator in my more junior roles. And so I thought, what can I do um, that will still give me the income that I was earning but not the, but but more interesting work? So I just t- took a chance and quit my job and decided to consult. So I've been consulting for uh, 12 and a half years and that what that looks like has changed a lot over the years. But about probably 12, 10 years ago, I signed up to Twitter. And so that was in about 2008, 2009. I was at a networking event and I heard someone talk about Twitter and raved about it. And I thought, oh, tried Twitter, looked at it, didn't really like it. It was all about what people had for breakfast in my head. And uh, so I thought, well, I'll give it another go. So I signed up. I think it was April 2009, and just fell in love with it immediately. Everything about it I loved. I loved the conversations I could have. I loved how I could get to know people more. I loved how, you know, Twitter celebrities would tweet you back. So I was having conversations with Gary Vaynerchuk. (coughs) Bless you. So I was having conversations with Gary Vaynerchuk and Chris Brogan and, you know, really... Chris is awesome. And we were reflecting the other day, actually, on how Twitter used to be back in the early days. Um, and I just, it just made me realize that the world really is a small place and that Twitter has so much power and influence in helping people learn things that can be a benefit both personally and professionally. So, probably two months after I started to fall in love with Twitter, I had a phone call from a friend who runs networking events for marketers in Brisbane and she said to me, oh, I see you all over Twitter, you're really obviously an expert, can you come and speak at an event in the next month or two on how to use Twitter for business? And I said, sure, I'd love to. Hung up, Googled how to use Twitter for business <laughs> and that was how my the social media aspect of what I do started. So... <laughs> what changed with your relationship to Twitter? Is that just how you used it or just the way you thought of it? Um, a bit of both. I hadn't really used it previously properly. I just had this perception of what it was and that it was just a waste of time. And then once I started to use it, I realised that my perception had been more wrong. It was such an opportunity to have conversations with people and learn from people. And, you know, I used to spend hours just reading articles that people had shared and learning from other people's experiences and asking questions and it just um it just really it it gave me something that nothing else had given and you know at that stage I was working for myself obviously I was working from home and it really helped give me a community of people who I could talk to touch base with Um, share ideas with, share my thoughts with, and share my problems with. Um, And the friendships that I made back then, you know, some of them, I consider some of those people my closest friends today. 
because a lot of those relationships and friendships moved from being just online and just on Twitter to being real-life, face-to-face friendships and relationships. I think there was a couple of years where every single business lead I had and every client I had came from somebody who either followed me or who knew me on Twitter. That's great. Yeah. So from a business development perspective, it was incredibly powerful and it really made me realise how much influence you can have when you have conversations and build relationships with people. And that, I think, is what I love the most about social media overall, is that it provides you with opportunities to talk to people who you might not otherwise have the opportunity to talk to. What I find fascinating is when uh, you get people who reach out to you who've been following for years, and they, even that, they'll say, some of them are aware of it, others aren't. The ones that are, it's like, yeah, you probably don't know me because we haven't actually engaged in any way in the last five, six years, but... (laughs) I've been following you all the time. I really love everything you do. I engage. I follow everything. That is the exact conversation I had with someone just before Christmas. She sent me um, a DM on Twitter and she said to me, you probably don't know me, and but I've been following you on Twitter for years and I love what you do. And I didn't follow her because she'd never engaged and I didn't realise, like I didn't know. And now we're talking about how we can do work together in a couple of different ways. And I just thought, Wow. You just never know who's watching and listening. And that's what I find interesting. There's an in, a lot of people talk about direct ROI with social mm-hmm. and things like even this podcast. There's indirect ROI you can't measure yeah. in a reasonable time frame. I don't tend to talk about it um, as a return on investment. I talk about it as the return on engagement. And so if the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. And, you know, I look at my Twitter profile and I've tweeted something like 170,000 times in the 10 years I've been on Twitter. And one of my friends worked out how many tweets a day that was once, and I can't remember now, but it was about 35, say. And he said, seriously, he said to me, he didn't get it. And he said to me, what do you say in those 35 tweets a day? And I said to him, usually I'm having a conversation with someone There might be, you know, half a dozen times a day where I might share something that I've written or thought about or that I've liked or that's resonated with me. But the vast majority of what I of my tweets are me having a conversation with somebody or me commenting on what somebody else has said or done that I've really liked. Brilliant. Mm. Yeah, like you said in the indirect the indirect value of that is immeasurable it's also massive because you're having those relationships that do pay off and that's it i don't think we're quite at the stage where people understand the value of that on a one on a one-to-one basis yet like that's it and what is good about twitter is that if people follow you and the person you're having a conversation with then a broader audience can see that conversation and that's both good and bad Um, A lot of people forget that Twitter is public and that people can see what you're saying to other people. Um, And I've witnessed some conversations that have been truly cringeworthy. Uh, One springs to mind where a friend of mine was just having this massive rant about her in-laws and Uh. I'm just reading it going... Messaging her saying, you know, it's public, you know, you're not having a private conversation. And she went, I don't care. Okay, you might tomorrow. (laughs) But it just, watching other conversations as well gives you an opportunity to learn and it gives you an opportunity to 
um, to get other pe- other perspectives and other points of view about things that you might have a firm view on, but it gives you the opportunity to, to hear other points of view that you might not have considered. And I just, yeah, I love everything. I think that's probably the interesting part about Twitter. Yeah, that's probably the interesting part about Twitter. You get a lot of divergent thinking there that that's does it. open you up for new thoughts. That's it. And there's a lot that I don't agree with, but I just scroll past, you know. Mm-hmm. The stuff I don't agree with or the people who I don't like, I just either unfollow them or I mute them or I scroll past them or you can ignore it. You don't need to get involved in everything. Well, that's the beauty of being able to hold multiple thoughts at the same time. You can consider things that are completely wrong. You can consider, okay, why does this person think this and what, what's the value mm. in this thought? Yeah, that's it. That's it. But moving back to the business side here, how you said you started to use it to help people in business. How did that develop to going towards purpose organisations? Uh, so when I started consulting, I did a lot of work with small business and probably about four years ago, I realised that... I just didn't really enjoy working with a lot of the types of clients I was working with. And there were lots of different reasons for that. But mainly I just wanted to do something a bit different. I think I was a bit bored because, you know, when you do the same thing all the time, it can be a bit stifling. So I looked around and um, I had an opportunity to work with somebody who did a lot of work with associations and member-based organisations. And she said to me, there's nobody in their world who can help them with social media, who understands associations as well as you do. Um, and she came across me through a recommendation of a, of a mutual friend, but I thought, oh, that's really interesting because by then I'd sat on three association or nonprofit boards and I'd been a member of associations for all of my professional life and for much of my personal life back to when I was, you know, in Girl Guides and Brownies as a child and, you know, a member of the local sailing club and the stamp collectors club and and as, as a child. And so I thought, yeah, I do have a really strong affinity with member-based organisations. Um, and so I thought, hmm, there's an opportunity there. So I just started to do research and find out more about what those kinds of organisations are, who they are, what their challenges are, and how I could potentially be of service to them by helping them understand how to communicate, not just using digital and social media, but more broadly, so that their members were engaged and so that their members felt valued. And off the back of that, I wrote my book, The Social Association, which looks at how um, associations and nonprofits can use social media to um, attract, engage, and retain their members, as well as the other people that they're wanting to attract, engage, and retain. See, that's a very smart move. Where did that come from? You just, in the moment, decided to write a book, or was that part of a strategic uh, plan? I was actually looking for other people. I was looking for other resources that I could recommend to my clients to read, and I couldn't find anything. And I'd been wanting to write a book for a couple of years, and I'd sat down three or four times with three or four ideas and 
within about an hour of researching my other ideas, I was bored and thought, <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm not going to be able to bang out a 40,000-word book if I'm bored within an hour. <laughs> and so I just started doing some research and, and was the more I sort of got into it, the more I was interested and realized that there's a big need for this. And I floated the idea of the book with a few people who I know and who, whose opinions I value, and they were all very positive. So, um, so yeah, so it came out last year um, in April. This time last year I was in my 27th round of edits, which is the most soul-sucking soul thing you can ever do if you're an author. <laughs> yes. um, so, the, yeah, so the book came out in, in – when did it come out? In February. Yeah, February last year. And I'm just starting to now think about the second book. Wow. Um, yeah. So, so I, um, I'll give you the link so you can whack it in the show notes if anybody's interested in finding out more about it. What do people need to know about social media? So say I'm a CEO and I'm running an organization. Yep. A lot of the time, they're more risk averse. That's what we were discussing earlier. Mm, they don't mm. want to say the wrong thing, so they'd rather say nothing. Or they just don't think it's worth valued for yeah. them as a company yeah so i think something that um a lot of ceos and leaders might forget is that people want to see them people want to see and want to hear from ceos and leaders of organizations and it doesn't matter whether your organization is a really small nonprofit, at like for example the local football club or whether it's a major conglomerate like um, Virgin or Coca-Cola or Qantas. People are interested in what the leaders of those organisations have to say. And there are too many CEOs and other leaders who hide behind their communications people or their operational people and don't give their views and thoughts and opinions on what's happening both in their organisation and outside of their organisation. And I think part of that is a fear of looking silly and part of it, I think, is they actually just don't know how to do that. And so one of the things that I'm really keen to educate business leaders um, and CEOs about is how can they use the digital resources at hand to help share their message both internally and externally and the easiest way is just you know with their smartphone which most leaders today have um, and you know a couple of really simple things that they can do particularly for example to engage their workforce or to engage their customers is to just do a really short selfie video talking about what's happening in their week and what's happening in their organization and one of the um one of the challenges that a lot of organizations face is that their workforce is not as engaged as their leadership team might like and one of the reasons a lot of workforces aren't engaged is because they actually don't fully understand the values of the organization or the overarching purpose that they're working for. So how can you, as a leader, share your personal values and your organizational values in a way that will bring people with you on that journey to success for your organization? It's really a way of invigorating your team at the same time as you're yeah. creating a public perception. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, a lot of, 
a lot of organisations I've worked with and worked in have had that um, that flowing down mentality where the CEO will tell his leadership team the message. The leadership team will then tell their managers. The managers will then tell their you know, middle managers, the middle managers would then tell the, the workforce more broadly. But it's kind of like Chinese whispers where you've got that message at the top and is the message that the workers, uh, that the workforce is hearing the same as the message that the CEO has portrayed when it's gone down through four or five or six layers of management to get to the people on the shop floor, so to speak. And how could... Um, instead of relying on that, relying on A, other people to deliver your message and B, the message to be correct, why can't you just shoot a short video once a week and say, last week we achieved this, this week our goals are this, thanks so much for being an employee here, we know you've got choices, um, if you've got any questions, I'm doing an Ask Me Anything on uh, on our um, internal you know, Yammer or Facebook workplace um, or in our town hall meeting, um, so shoot me through your questions and I'd be happy to help you. Who do you know that really exemplifies this? Who's like the ideal role model for other CEOs? Oh, that's a good question. Well, one, obviously Richard Branson springs to mind. He's so clearly the face of Virgin. And so, um, but with his own brand as well. But people look to him to see what people say, to see what he says and what the values of the organisation are. Um, who else does it well? He's mm. really clean cut. His, his one, Elon Musk, he says a lot of things that a lot of people say, go, why are you saying that? Why did yeah. you do that in public perception? There might be other stuff going on behind the scenes there that he's playing the media, but from your perception as a someone who... I guess, curates or helps him do social better. What do you think of Elon's approach to social and his media appearances? I sometimes think he needs a bit of a filter. Um, like a lot of us, I sometimes think there's not a lot of filter between what's happening in here and what's coming out in his fingers. Um, but I, I think the main thing that, that leaders need to be aware of when they are starting their personal social media and digital media voice is that they need to be really focused on what's their strategic plan, what's their goal, why are they going to do this, what, um, you know, what is their overarching organisational strategic goal and what is their personal strategic goal. So what do they want to achieve out of having a, a more vocal social and digital presence? Uh, is it to raise awareness of the organisation? Is it to raise awareness of who they are as an individual? Um, I was chatting to a CEO the other day who's not doing very much on digital and he said to me, um, I'd only want to be in this role for one more year. And I know that if I want to move into another role and I in another city because he's looking at moving and he said I need to become known he said I'm not known in that city in the city that I want to move to I'm not known professionally and he said I've already missed out on one great job opportunity there because I didn't know the right people and I didn't know enough to be able to do the job 
properly because I didn't have the right connections there. So, you know, I think you need to be really clear on what it is you're wanting to achieve and then make sure that everything you do is seen through that lens. That's interesting point. I guess most people don't realise that CEOs only have a three, three to five-year tenure typically. Well, if good ones. Good ones. Yes. Good ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So having that, That's it. Having that presence is a insurance and a way of actually spreading your values as a person. You can, can take to other, other organisations as well. Exactly. And DDI, um, who's a recruitment company, they did some research a couple of years ago on social CEOs. And they, their research found that CEO candidates who have a active social media and digital presence are seen to be significantly more influential than CEO candidates who do not which means they're far more likely to get the job. So if there's two people applying for the job and they've got the same skills and one of them's on digital, has an active social media presence and one of them doesn't, the likelihood of the, excuse me, of the job going to the person with active social media presence is far greater. I guess it also refines your voice as well. I mean, there's one CEO, um, Phil DeBella, from, who's started yeah. DeBella Coffee. His way of presenting himself he's, has evolved too because... He did some things that he probably regrets doing now in his early yeah. year days in social. But the way it's refined in his his presentation, the way that he's able to do things like P P D B insights by Phil yeah. DeBella is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that he's probably a good example of the evolution of people. I think with him, he was able to be a little bit more risque because he was the face yeah. of his own company. Yeah. But even for people who maybe aren't, their own, aren't running their own companies, they can see the evolution and see how he's been able to refine their messaging. That's it. And I think, you know, I think CEOs can't act in isolation. They need to be, you know, they need to be aware that they've got a team of people below them. And while they need to be, while it's important that they share their own voice and their own thoughts and opinions, they still need to be conscious of the marketing team and the internal comms team that they have in their organisations and make sure that they're all working towards that same message. Because if they're not, then that's when things can get a little bit ugly within the organisation. So, you know, there's a lot of um, marketing managers I've spoken to recently who've said, I don't want our CEO to be anywhere near social media because I don't trust him to say or do the right thing. And I've just thought, yeah, get that, because I used to be a marketing manager who used to just cringe whenever my leader would talk publicly because she would always say things that we hadn't that we weren't aware of so or that we didn't know of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lead from the heart, but also, you know, be aware of that message and have a have a really clear understanding as to what you what the CEO can say as the CEO versus what the um, official communications and social media channels of the organization say so that they work together okay see i think that's where there's another element though there's like what the ceo can say and what i as, as the person who happens to be in a ceo role can say mm. that's where i think you can get people get in trouble getting passionate about sports for example yep yeah yeah yep but i think you just i think they can work well together but you just need to set some clear boundaries. Filters. One of the things, yeah, some filters. 
some filters and just some boundaries. You know, this is what it's okay for you to talk about. This is what we don't really want you to talk about. But one of the things that is critical today is that younger, the younger, younger generations, like, you know, millennials and, and younger, they expect to be able to have a relationship and or at least have a conversation with the people at the top. They're not really, and, and you would know this more than me, being of that generation, like because you're a bit younger than me, but they want to speak to the person at the top of the organisation. They don't want to have to go up through the layers. So if you're looking at, um, if you're as a millennial looking for a new job, you want to know what does that organisation stand for? What does the leadership team stand for? What are their values? What's their purpose? And, you, and, you, and where do you go to get that information? You turned online. I guess online. that's the difference now, though. We it used is. to have a separation between here's my personal yeah. life and here's my CEO yeah. public-facing role, whereas yeah. now, no, they're, they're one and the same. As, as a personal figure, you represent your company, so you need that's to be aware it. of that. That's it. And, you know, Shane Elliott, who's the CEO of ANZ, he said in an interview last year, he said, social media is a great way to talk to our own people as well as our customers. And you always need to be cognizant of the fact that your staff and your workforce are going to probably be following you on social media as well as your customers are. And it's a great way to be helping your workforce get a better understanding of who you are and what you stand for, which means that they're probably going if once they've got that clearer understanding of who that who you are and what you stand for, then you're more likely to have um, a workforce that trusts you and you're also more likely to have a workforce that's more productive and when you have a more productive workforce you usually have um, greater revenue and greater profit so it sounds like at some point you need to get clear on that because a lot of people aren't necessarily yeah. clear on their own well, the yeah. they understand the company values but they don't understand their personal value set oh. as much I would say that most CEOs would have a pretty clear understanding of their personal values Okay, they just because, communicate it as well. But that don't, that's it. That's it. And, and you know, ways that you can do that are by sharing stories and talking about things that you, that you love and, you know, and share some personal stories as well that help um, people get to know you better. Beyond that, I think people, like you said, great operators, maybe not so much great storytellers. Like some CEOs have that natural ability or have developed it. If there's someone who feels they don't have the natural ability to tell stories in a way that's engaging and whatever, what are some of the best ways for them to, I guess, learn that ability? Uh, look, um, one of my colleagues, Gabrielle Dolan, wrote this amazing book called Stories for Work. So if you're wanting to work out how to share more stories in your workplace or, you know, from your professional side, grab a copy of her book because it will, it steps through how to identify stories that you can be telling and then how to link them back to the business message because there's no point sharing a story in a professional context if it doesn't have a business message there. Brilliant. So grab a copy of her book. She's fantastic. Yeah. Is there anything else we need to be aware of as CEOs and organisations just um, use the message on social? Yeah, look, I think you need to be aware that... Social and digital media is not just all about Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. Look at how you can enhance your overall presence online. And how do you engage, you know, if you're a larger organisation, how do you engage your workforce using digital technology? Do you have an intranet? 
do you have, um, you know, Yammer or Facebook Workplace or do you um, have town hall meetings or do you um, send all of company emails? Like how is it that you engage your workforce? If you've got an intranet or, um, or Yammer or Facebook Workplace, then how do you use it as the leader? Because you need to be driving that use of it so that that is where people go to get information. You need to be having online town hall meetings. You need to be doing online ask me anything sessions, you know, at least once a quarter, if not once a month, so that people can get to see you and know who you are. You should be sending, you should be creating little videos talking about, you know, where you are, what you're doing, where you're going, who you're meeting with, the outcomes of board meetings. Um, the outcomes of your senior leadership team meetings. That's pretty don't, interesting. Yeah, don't be relying on people to pass those messages down and don't just rely on the written piece of communication anymore. Look at how can you share a video, and it doesn't need to be long, it only needs to be a couple of minutes, talking broadly about what you talked about. You haven't got to give away the company secrets, but just say, at our leadership meeting today, we spoke about A, B, and C, and we decided this. Or we talked about this and we couldn't come to a resolution. So you can expect that this subject will be raised in your next team meeting. That is really fascinating from the point of view that I think once you grow a certain size, it's impossible to have that one-on-one relationship. But as we mentioned yeah. earlier, when you're doing social stuff, people feel like they have the one-on-one relationship with you. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And that's a great way of driving engagement. Because people, you know, there's nothing more powerful than seeing somebody and hearing their voice. And you can't hide behind a video either. And you especially can't behind, hide behind a live selfie video. <laughs> <laughs> so if you do a Facebook Live or if you're doing a live video conference within your workforce, there's no hiding behind that. It's what's and all. And that's how people get to see you and know you. So if you're having a, like a bad day because your cat just died, you know, it's a really powerful thing to share that with people. You know, if, if, you, if you say to them, if you talk about your highlights of your day or your week or your month and then your lowlights and you say to somebody, oh, I'm really sad today because my cat's just died, you'll get an outpouring of love from people who even the people in your workforce who don't like you or even your customers who don't particularly like you, you they, will be, they will feel for you because you've human, exactly, you've just humanized yourself. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. If people want to learn more and get further into Metal Kettle World, What's the best place for them to do that? Um, melkettle.com is my website, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Just, again, just search for Mel Kettle. If you type Mel Kettle into Google, I think I own the first four pages. So you'll find me somewhere. <laughs> or buy the book. Or buy the book, yes, guys. buy my book. That would be great. Thank you. All right. Until next time, we'll see you all on the next episode. Thanks very much. <laughs>